Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank, here with Byron. And Byron, we're back for another week in Season 2. It's great to be here. Uh, There's a lot to get to, a lot of political news and events. But before we get into everything, let the listeners know, especially our first-time listeners, what the show is about and what we'll be covering this week. Oh, man, pretty much we cover uh, news and events that we feel like are important. Uh, We're mainly a show for people that don't follow the news, but we also love... You know, people that do follow the news and just happen to find us entertaining. We try to inform you all. Got some great stuff to get to today. Uh, before we get to any of it, GOP came out with their new health care. Uh, we have a nice interview with Angelique Velez. Before we get to that, um, I had a question for you, actually, because I know you are. I still consider you a new father, even though your daughter is uh, she's turned one now. Uh, how would you feel if, you know, and I know this would probably never happen. It would never happen. But if you and your or you could you don't have to answer it in a personal matter. But how do you feel about if you and your wife were to separate and another man, you know, she meets another guy. He begins raising your child. What are you what are your thoughts on, you know, stepdad stepping in and, and fathers having a problem with that? Well, I mean, that's a that's a great question, you know, and, and I think all people who are married you know, have had times where they'd be like, man, you know, this child is driving us crazy, driving us, you know, nuts. And, and then, you know, but you understand that for me, my for my opinion, I'll answer personally and then I'll answer hypothetically. Personally, you know, I want to be there to raise my daughter. So I have a certain and I understand all the things that go into that. So there is there's maybe ups and downs days with that, you know, obviously a, a child, young child, things like that. But nothing when I wake up or lay my head down has me thinking, well, you know what? I'd rather be somewhere else and free of it, even though it might drive me to the edge of my wits, you know, where I'm like, Oh my God, quit crying. Why are you doing this? You just ate quit fuss, you know, like all those things that all parents, you know, understand. But I, you know, I never have, I can't ever imagine a day where I'd be like, well, you know, I'd be better off, um, you know, either without her or, you know, with some, with another woman where I wouldn't, you know, just things like that. And, and then just understanding the day to interaction I have with my daughter and then some other man who I don't know having that. I just don't know if I could get over that. But you no, know, hypothetically, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, certainly maybe their fathers who are not as involved with the child. So maybe they don't care as much. Like if they, they had the child, they didn't necessarily want the child. And then if something happens with the, with the baby's mom or the wife, whatever the term may be, they may decide, hey, you know, you know, I don't really care because I just will see her on the weekends or on birthdays and I'm not that interested in raising a kid. I think where it gets complicated is if you really love the child and you and the mom can't work it out and then you have an issue where the dad is, you know, stepdad's coming in and raising and, and I think all men, you know, naturally have it's it's a it's an instinct that, you know, you don't want someone else raising your child and telling them what to do because you just it's just it's just like that's your flesh and blood and so it's it's crazy for some other man to come in and you know tell my daughter like how to live her life or what to do that would really especially when I'm obviously on this earth and living obviously if you deceased and things like that that's different but um you know I can't see it um for myself and hypothetically I think it just depends on the man's mindset and how you know his mindset was when he had the child so it it sounds like uh you kind of can relate to how uh, Future feels about this whole thing with uh, Russell Wilson and Sierra, so to speak. And I don't know how involved Future is with his child because I've heard people say, well, maybe he should be more involved. But 
I'm not that huge of a fan to follow him around and know how involved he is. But Sierra, she posted a picture last week on social media and it's of her son, you know, there's her future son. And then, of course, she's pregnant with Russell Wilson's son and he's in the picture. And little future, I think they named that boy future, as a matter of fact, he's like naked and uh, Sierra is nude up top, which apparently is the new thing now with with, uh, women being nude, taking pictures with their son. And and they're not even infants at the time. They're like, you know, walking, understanding little boys. Apparently, that's the new thing. But she she did that. And I just was wondering because I know. The whole Russell Wilson thing being with Future Son agitates Future. And I just was wondering, was she kind of trolling him by posting that type of picture? Uh, but it, it's, it's a it's a tricky situation, man, because nothing really makes my fist ball more than not being in my daughter's life on a day to day basis. Like you mentioned, and just the thought of another man, you know, seeing being able to see her every day. And I'm not certainly uh kills me and gives me incentive to, you know, make sure I do everything I can to make this marriage work, because that's one of the things that I would not want to go through. And that's not seeing my child every day. Uh, Before we get into the show, did you see those pictures at all of uh, those three, Sierra, Lil Future and Russell Wilson? Yeah, I did see that. I mean, yeah, the naked pictures are certainly uncomfortable to me. I don't fully understand that. Uh, I, I, I just, I, and other than other than a, other than an infant being naked, I don't really think adults should be. This is just my opinion. I'm not saying putting on anybody. Right. But I, I, for me, adults shouldn't be naked taking pictures with children at all. Really, for any reason, I can't see a good reason why. Now, obviously, when infants are naked and they have a little hat on the hospital, that's not, that's fine because that's you know an innocent baby and. And that kind of thing. But overall, once you're at a certain age, keep that nudity, you know, certainly to your I mean, between adults is fine. Whatever, you know, if you're in in that into that kind of thing, that's cool. But I just feel like kids involved in that just it just feels weird to me. (laughs) Correct, man. Let's ah, let's get into some politics. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now your host, Thank everyone Frank once again and for joining Byron. us on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Uh, we ask that you subscribe. We're on iTunes, I, uh, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, as well as uh, Google Play Podcast. Subscribe to the series. Tell a friend to subscribe. Uh, also, I wanted to, before we get into the show, we have a YouTube channel that we sometimes mention on here. And I just want to uh, real quick just tell everyone thank you. Our Tim Wise video on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, has has like over a thousand views. And that's something me and Frank are really proud of, especially we don't really promote that channel as much as we should. We're going to try to do better with that. But I log on to the channel uh, last week. And I had no idea that that video had that many views. 
Uh, that was a great interview. I actually re-listened to it the other night. Uh, so if you haven't checked that out, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, check out the Tim Weiss video. But we also have other great videos with Dwight Ladd, Terry Matthews, Claiborne Carson. So check those out. And also one other thing I wanted to get to. Some of you saw my video uh, on our Facebook page when I was out in Vegas. I had the Rosa Parks shirt on that said, nah, got a lot of attention. I want to tell you guys uh, right now, you can go to blackawakenings.myshopify.com. Click on store. You can find shirts, sweatshirts that are, that are just like that. He has some other great shirts on there as well. And right now, enter Byron and Frank as your discount code on the payment page and you get 10 percent off. So. Check them out. They got some great stuff. Some of you uh, like the shirt. We posted it on our uh, Facebook page already. And those of you that are listening right now, again, blackawakenings.myshopify.com. Click on store, find any shirt or sweatshirt. And again, that code is Byron and Frank to get yourself 10% off. Now, let's get into this show, Frank. Uh, on the latest episode of the United States of the Kremlin, um, as the current administration continues to have uh, ties to Russia. Uh, let's, let's look at a couple of things. First off, the newly appointed uh, attorney general, Jeff Sessions, had to recuse himself from any investigation that involves the administration in Russia because he spoke to some Russian officials at the uh, Republican convention, I, I believe, and failed to mention that during his confirmation hearing. Uh, while that's heating up, you get Donald Trump. Um, he comes out and accuses the Obama administration. Uh, I think in a couple of tweets, President Obama himself, he accused him of wiretapping him in the Trump Tower. So this is what I want to say. And I want to pose the question to you, by the way, no proof whatsoever. They've offered zero proof of this. Frank. This man is unfit to be president of the United States. And I think he is unstable. And that's not something I'm saying as a joke or anything like that. I clearly think I truly think he's unstable and unfit. However, a that doesn't matter because, again, he was elected by the Electoral College. Uh, he got half of the country to vote for him. Um so it doesn't matter if he's unfit or unstable right now. My question to you is, though, because I feel that way, is it his genius? Could it be that he's just a genius and that he knew that he knows throwing these ridiculous accusations out there like Obama wiretapping him? That that gets the media off his scent because it changed the narrative from, you know, Jeff Sessions in Russia to. Hmm. You got you got political experts coming on TV saying, well, it's possible that Obama could have wiretapped him. I don't know. And now the conversation has somewhat changed. So is that his genius or is he truly, in your opinion, unfit like I think he is? Well, it depends on what your definition of, of fit is. Now, obviously, un under previous definitions of what is a fit president, he is clearly unfit but when you look at where we are politically and socially he's a perfect fit for the demagoguery that he promotes and he you know basically brandishes and wheels which is you know anytime something comes up against him it's never his fault or there's something worse that's happening 
It's mm-hmm. clear that there's something going on in his administration with Russia. Michael Flynn resigned. Jeff Sessions has now recused himself. And my thought is, okay, is it possible that all these coincidences happen where all these officials are just talking, you know, randomly to Russia under uh, without any direction? I mean, you ought to look back at some of Trump's comments even before, way before he ran for president, which is, he said a long time ago, I'm a Democrat at heart, but if I was going to run, I'd run as Republican because I can say whatever I want and they would believe it. And that's a real quote that he said. This is not That's not even an alternative fact. And he pretty much has run that to a T. So his genius in that as far as knowing that he could run as a Republican candidate and win the base by just saying and, and doing anything, uh, literally, it shows it shows you how... It really, it really is exposing. I mean, his presidency is good for one thing: exposing the extreme nature of people who claim that they are. Uh, and we, and we have, you know, talked on the last interview about Nicole. You know, when Nicole Spears, we got in a big, obviously, uh, I would say, discussion about Christianity. And certainly, you have people on the all right saying they're Christian, things like that. But I certainly think that when you look at the rhetoric President Trump used, and then you look and you say, "Oh, these people are Christian," you say, "Oh, that's a definitely, that's a definite." Um, there's some issues there. It's almost an oxymoron, right? An alt-right Christian because of the way they spew hate. But overall, he's very fitting for this time. We we are into reality TV. He tweets. He's he's always present, saying things that are controversial, and people are eating it up. And it doesn't matter if it's fact or not. We're getting to a point now where stating the facts is not a point. It's all about how you feel. It's all about feeling. So I mean, we could be on this. You know, that's the difficult thing now, as far as being in the media now. Uh, which I consider us to be a part of is we're trying, you know, when we come on the show, we do have our opinions and things like that, but all, as as best we can, we always try to say, hey, here's what the evidence is. Now, you make your decision. Here's what we think, but that we always try to make sure that we give all the facts, and I think now the problem is you can't, you can't even discuss things with people because they already believe something. You know, some people believe Obama is still, you know, running things and pulling strings and, in in, you know, and, and wiretapping, and, and there's nothing you can do to convince them that they're not. So, you know, overall, he is certainly unfit, and he is certainly uh, there's some definitely scary times ahead. But I think there's a lot of people that are very comfortable with that kind of uh, his ignorance makes them comfortable. As crazy as it sounds, he's 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 not PC, he's not knowledgeable, and people think that's cool now. People think that's okay now to just kind of be uneducated and putting your feet up on the table because there's this there's this idea of manifest destiny that a lot of um, you know, certainly white Americans have and some other Americans have adopted as well that, hey, we don't have to apologize for anything. And we're always in charge and we're always number one. And he represents that to a T. So he is the perfect president for this arrogant uh, time that we're living in. I get why cause I, I want to piggyback on that. I get why his plain speak is appealing to a lot of people. I even get why his uh, braggadocious uh, talking that he does and, and like you say how he doesn't believe in apologizing I get why all of that is appealing but when he starts saying things that are just factually incorrect like I had the biggest electoral uh, victory of any president in the last uh, few decades and it's like no Obama did and then he tries to come back and say well I meant Republicans and they're like no H.W. Bush had over 400 electoral. Well, that's what I was told. And and he just gets away with it all. And that's where I, I that's what I don't get. So I get the plain speak and it being appealing. But what you have, man, is 
a law and order administration, so-called law and order administration, the same people that were yelling, lock her up last July. You you mentioned Flynn, who had to resign. You mentioned Sessions, who had to recuse himself. You got Kellyanne Conway breaking the rules as far as mentioning Ivanka, Ivanka Trump's uh, clothing line, or shoe line or whatever she has uh, from the position of the White House. And then you got himself, who is, I mean, he's pretty much already guilty of the Emoluments Clause. You got all these rules and laws being broken by the so-called law and order administration. And it's just America elected a con man. And, you know, some people don't like this, but I do feel like Bill Maher was right uh, over eight years ago, I believe it was, when he said, you know, America, by and large, is stupid. And we we not we because I didn't vote for him, but a lot of people have fallen for this con, man. And maybe maybe some of them still like it and they still like to talk and they'll put up with the incorrect facts that he puts out there. But he's a con man, plain and simple. He doesn't care anything about, uh, you know, you, I mean, we saw the comments from uh, the presidents of HBCUs that that met at the White House. And he pretty much said, hey, man, we got had all we got was a photo op and nothing more. He's a con man and he always will be. That's what he's always been. And it doesn't surprise me that he's keeping it up in the Oval Office. But, you know, people like him. So what are they going to do? One other thing. I, he, he he said the job numbers were so fake and it, it was so wrong. He get this good job report the other, last week, uh, 4.7 unemployment right now that it's falling to. I think 249,000 jobs were created. Oh, he's retweeting that and, and tweeting and talking that up. America's getting great again. So now all of a sudden the job numbers matter. But under Obama, when they fail consistently under his administration, they didn't matter. This dude is a joke, man. He's a joke. Anyway, uh, the Republicans. Tell me how you come, how you really feel. <laughs> I mean, I'm good. I don't, I don't have anything to add. I, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, it's, it's just crazy, man. The, the, the Republicans. Last week, they came out with their uh, health care plan and a couple of key uh, components that you want to pay attention to if you're in this sort of thing, because it's going to affect all of us. It uh, replaces the mandate uh, with tax cuts. So Obamacare, you know, you had to pay a penalty if you if you did not purchase uh, health care. So they're getting rid of that and uh, they're replacing it with tax cuts for uh, rich people. Uh, it also kind of reduces Medicaid because it's going to freeze enrollment in 2020 and then continue to uh, reduce it as much as possible to pretty much some people are saying that Medicaid will no longer exist. What I found funny, though, was, Frank, that they kept a lot of the key components of Obamacare. Like if you're 26 years old, you can still be on your parents insurance. If you have pre-existing conditions, insurance companies cannot refuse you. My question is this. Why didn't they just work with the Democrats in 2009 when the Democrats and Obama were trying to put together Obamacare? Why did they resist them at every single turn to where it was a completely partisan vote? And my other question is, how can they come with this half this half ass plan when they've had like for, for the last seven years? All Republicans have talked about was we're going to repeal Obamacare. We're going to replace it. And and they get the majority in both houses. They finally get the presidency and they still don't even know how they're going to pay for it, Frank. 
They've had seven years to figure this out. You got members of the party in the Senate that don't like it, that are calling it Obamacare light. They have no consensus on it. What were they doing for the last seven years other than screaming uh, repeal and replace? I mean, I, I can uh, I mean, we could we could either spend a couple minutes on this. Or we could spend the rest of the show on this. But <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the quick answer is. Uh, well, there's a couple things that work here, and it shows. Going back to your, I used your Bill Maher comment. People are stupid because if they don't, you don't understand that the, the big the big con game by both parties is trying to convince people who are Republican Democrat that they are so different. For example, you know all the all the Congress and Senate, they all have free health care. They all have you know they're all elite people with 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 you know no term limits and large salaries. And plenty of holidays. I know, I know. I know. A few weeks, not a few weeks ago, a few months ago, you posted all the holidays that that the Congress gets. So they have a very cushy schedule, and they don't really live like any of us. They make laws for people they don't live like, you know. And they and they they do what they what their constituents think they want, what they what they you know people think they want to hear. It all goes back to the original sin, which is there is this idea that Obamacare, because it was made by an african-american man that it somehow was unfairly giving people of of color african-american especially and hispanic too some free ride or some or something that some other maybe white person or other hard-working person was was working for and so now this new obamacare is going to replace any anybody who doesn't deserve health care and only people that deserve it will have it and you know it's not even and the thing is obamacare was not really called um Obamacare, they, they, they called it that to try to um, marginalize it and, and denigrate it by giving it that name. It was called the Affordable Care Act, and their act is called the American Health Care Act or something, which, how original, guys. So, right. uh, you know, it's just like, I think I think at the end of the day, they have, re- they have, con- they, the reason why they kept the key components of Obamacare, 26-year-olds, pre-existing conditions is because people are we're not as different as we think i mean i get it there are people who have different values different things like that but at the end of the day how different are you you know we're, we're we, we they're winning the elites are winning you're arguing on facebook about this or that conservative you know liberal and meanwhile you're both you know being hurt by this everybody's going to be hurt by this affordable care act or Obamacare, as it was, was not perfect, but it was a benefit to many people, both Republican and Democrat. It wasn't partisan. Basically, they're trying to roll out something to say that, hey, we made health care better, and the Democrats really didn't do it. But at the end of the day, you know, people people aren't going to see through it because people are so fixed on their partisan lenses. It's like, you know, you've got people who get their news from Occupy Democrats, people who get their news from The Blaze, and they can't see beyond that. And we, we're trying here, even though, like I said, I am Certainly, I wouldn't consider myself to be a Republican, but I'm certainly not a diehard Democrat. So I try to give a a voice to both sides. I will say that the Obamacare, you know, certainly has some flaws, has some issues. But, you know, the idea that the problem with the politics in this country is one party can't give credit to the other because their fear of losing power would be like, well, if, if the Republicans agree with the Democrats, they say, well, why would we vote for the Republicans? They, would just, they just agree with the Democrats. So there's this idea that this partisan nature must exist in all things. So nothing really gets done. So we're going to spend, you know, four years maybe repealing Obamacare. And then let's just say for by chance the Democrats win the White House in 2020. And they're like, we wanna put, we're going to put Obamacare back into place. <laughs> so you could spend, you know, 20 years going back and forth because it's not as if Obamacare will be instantaneously rolled back. There's 
you know, my, you know, I'll say this as a true fact. My wife works in healthcare, and and I understand a lot of this a little bit more, a little closer. It's not as simple as just rolling it back like you cancel your subscription to a, you know, Jet magazine or something. It's a whole thing that's been implemented, and so to to roll it back and implement new things, it takes time. So it, it's it's going to be a big mess. But at the end of the day, it comes down to one party wants to take credit. For healthcare, and they couldn't admit that anything good happened. And even though they're keeping something because of Obamacare, they'll never admit that it was the framework of what he gave was really the basis for what they're putting out. And they could never admit that. And people, and even if people they did admit, people would still say, "Well, it's better than Obamacare because Obamacare unfairly helped people who didn't work for it." Obamacare certainly was flawed, and uh, you're you're completely correct. I think as far as they didn't want to help them because. They could not have uh, a bill, especially with his name on it, to be successful. Uh, but two things I wanted to mention was I, that I think Republicans are so much better than Democrats at. So you always hear how under Obamacare insurance insurance premiums rose and all that stuff. Insurance premiums have been rising for years, long before Obamacare. Uh, one of the reasons they were trying to fix health care was because uh, insurance premiums were going up, but now the Republicans have spent it as though they're going up because it's because of Obamacare. Insurance premiums have always gone up, but Democrats fail to make that uh, to to make that argument. And as far as you know, Ob- Republicans would love to mention that you know Obamacare was forcing you to buy insurance, and if you didn't, you had to pay a penalty, and that wasn't fair. Well. The reason that's in there is because without that, Frank, you, I, and everyone else who has insurance, one of the reasons our insurance premiums go up is, is to cover the people who don't have insurance be, but still go and get help. When you go to an emergency room, whether you have insurance or not, they have to help you. Doctors have to help you, uh, but they also have to get paid. So if that person doesn't have insurance, everyone that's listening to the show that pays insurance, we're paying for it. So... They were trying, and maybe it wasn't the perfect or the best way, but they were trying to say is, look, it's not fair for the paying public to pay for those who don't pay for insurance yet reap the benefits of getting help when they get sick. They made it seem like a bad thing, and again, the Democrats, I just, I never feel like they really articulate their arguments as well as they should, and the Republicans do much better. Democrats, I think I said this before on the show, Democrats need their version of Frank Luntz because Republicans. That's the guy that wrote the book, Words That Work, you know, who calls uh, billionaires job creators. They're not billionaires. They're job creators. That makes the public more sympathetic to them. So they're just terrible at, at, at selling their own ideas, man. And they're, and they're paying for it in the last election and, and now with this whole uh, Republicans replacing Obamacare thing. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're going to talk to Angelique Velez before we get her on the show real quick. Uh, I did want to mention because it's such big news, but it's being covered so well right now that Frank and I didn't want to dedicate a serious amount of time to it. But as many of you have heard last week, WikiLeaks, they uh, dropped something on the CIA pretty much uh, exposing them to uh, the fact that they can target our homes and, and, and different items in our homes and the methods on how they're able to do that. Uh, so has a lot of people upset. It exposed the CIA and, uh, it's definitely can be a potentially dangerous, uh, 
situation, especially when you get into the methods on how they're able to do things. So that's a story that you can look to uh, continue to be covered on. But I did want to mention that right now. Let's talk to uh, the lovely Angelique Velez. Listen up. It's time for a politically entertaining exclusive interview. Joining us today, she's the founder of Breakups to Makeup, an accessory and apparel line launched a few summers ago. Angelique Velez, want to thank you for taking time for us today. Thank you. All right, I'm going to get right into it. Um, appreciate you coming on. Uh, you refer to makeup and applying makeup as like an art form. And you mentioned how um, in your story, you mentioned how it was a, a particular breakup that inspired this whole company and everything. Can you tell us what that moment was like when you realized that, you know, makeup and, and wearing it and applying it made you happy and took you to a place that, you took you away from what you were going through as far as doing your breakup. What was that moment like for you when you realized, hey, makeup makes me happy. This is my way out of this this funk that I'm going through. Well, actually, honestly, applying makeup on others and seeing them happy is what made me happy. So inevitably, like helping others out is what made me feel better. When I was going through my funk, it helped me to get out of bed, you know, to be around other people, making them feel better about themselves. Um, hearing their stories, even talking about things, that really is what got me out of my kind of dark place. Um, and having the opportunity to work with other people, I think, in general, you know, will help you out. But using an art form like makeup to be able to do that, was it was just, a, you know, my lifeline, I guess. It really, really helped me out. That's very different, but, it's you know, it's always good to find an outlet. That that makes you happy, so it's good to exactly you. You found that. Does he the the, the person that you broke up with? Does he know <laughs> that he was sort of the the launching pad for this whole idea of yours? I honestly don't know. It's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, we have some mutual friends, so I, I'm sure by now. But who knows? Yeah, I'm it's sure just he so knows. Long, you know. <laughs> Correct. Now you've worked on some good question. <laughs> Thank you. You've worked on some interesting shows like uh, MTV's uh, v- VMAs. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. where you did some work with uh, Paul Pierce. Which of uh-huh. those mo- which of those moments uh, that are people that you've worked on that made you step back and say, you know, wow, I can't believe I'm here in this moment right now or that I'm here working with this particular person. Which one of those moments stand out for you? I would have to say just recently I was able to actually key the VM, the MTV VMAs in New York City. So that was pretty, pretty huge in my career. So that was one of those moments where I was like, wow, I can't believe after all this work, you know, I'm finally able to do something like this. But also, like, years back, I would say, because I've been doing makeup for over a decade, um, my first time ever behind the scenes in Fashion Week in New York, that was, like, the time where I was like, I cannot believe I'm here. I'm behind, you know, the scenes. I'm working Fashion Week. <laughs> that big deal. was huge. It was a very, very big deal. And actually, to piggyback on that, when I used to work in my 9 to 5, my office, I actually kept. Um, a piece of like an article from Fashion Week on a vision board for myself in my office and I said to myself I'm going to be working there one day so that's why for me I would say that really was like a pivotal time 
when I was able to go backstage finally for Fashion Week. Hey, Angelique, this is Frank. I'm going to jump in here. And uh, before, sure. I, before I ask you a question, I'm going to throw a little shade at my uh, co-host, Byron. You know, Byron is a big FSU guy, and obviously us both. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> you, you, you had this coming, though. But. Interview is over. No. <laughs> and, and so, you know, like I said, I, before we even started, I said I'm just really proud of you. Obviously, cla- you know, class of 2003, Miami, that kind of thing representing. Yep. I just want to say, um, you know, we're, we're definitely a political show, so I'm going to ask you a little bit of a serious question. You know, obviously, this was a okay. huge, huge election a lot of, you know, things have come uh-huh. out of it aftermath. You know, you got a lot of women's marches, women's rights. Have you has mm-hmm. your um have you been involved or has Breakups Makers been involved with any of these marches or any of these political activism or do you kinda of stay away from that uh regarding your brand? Oh no, I don't stay away from anything. <laughs> we definitely have been involved. Um I attended the women's march in, in New York actually. Um, and I also am launching a bag very, very soon. I believe it's going to be launching the first week of April, but don't quote me on that. It might get pushed back. Supporting women's rights and um, backing up women's rights. It's a really, really powerful slogan. So that will be coming very, very soon. I'm very excited about it. But, yeah, I totally get involved in all that. That's awesome. So, you know, with with that being said, are you concerned from – because we actually had a, a gentleman on a couple couple um, episodes ago, and he – uh, is into uh, the the fine spirits business, and he was concerned if you know being partisan would affect his brand. Or is your brand such that it doesn't matter? You know, you can support you know the any any cause you want. You feel like it's it's just empowering women at such a level that it's basically not even partisan. Do you feel like that? It is, it's honest, it's hard to answer that question because I'll only know the repercussions after it happens. But I feel like with everything going on in the country right now, it's just so important for us to kind of state how we feel, especially as a woman and being a woman, you know, an owner of the company. Um, I just feel like it's super duper important for me to, you know, state my cause and state what I'm feeling. Uh, so I'll, I'll see the repercussions, but I, I don't know. I, I can't really see my followers being too upset about that because a majority of them are female and they believe in what I believe in as well. We are talking to Angelique Velez, uh, creator of Breakups to Makeups, Makeup, I'm sorry, Breakups to Makeup, an accessory and apparel apparel line, excuse me for that. Um, You also say that you like to be referred to as a a misfit. Can you explain to the listeners uh, why is that, what made you embrace misfit, and was this at the same time that you were going through the breakup that, that launched all of this in the beginning? Like the 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 term misfit has a negative connotation for some reason I don't know why but I disagree with that I feel like someone who is kind of not normal like out of the norm um, and that's something that I always have strived to be like I never felt like I a hundred percent fit in there was always something different about me um, and I feel like because of that that's where I am today so that's why I kind of embrace the term of being a misfit um, yeah that's it came from but during the breakup it, it kind of had other terms i would say you know sometimes <laughs> misfits are, are you think do things or they might like act out in certain ways uh but more or less it's more of being out of the norm i would say i got you it's um, a positive thing i wanted to ask you uh because 
I'm a I'm a fan of Alicia Keys, and I see where I guess it was mm-hmm. last year or uh, very recently she's come out and I guess embraced this no makeup look. Do you come across women uh, that take on that attitude, and, and what is your response to women that say, you know, Angelique, I don't think women should, you know, have to put on makeup in order to feel a certain way about themselves. They should look them look their natural selves. How do you respond to women that have that that line of thinking? I mean, I'm all for it. I'm, I know everyone has their own opinion on things, and I actually love what Alicia Keys is doing. I personally have embraced it in my own life. I'm a new mommy, so the no makeup, I love it. I love not having to wear it. Um, but I don't like it when people put a negative connotation on makeup because, once mm-hmm. again, I feel like it is a form of art. It's a way that we express ourselves not only as makeup artists but as women wearing it, like, that one lipstick can make you feel a certain type of way, and you don't have to be a makeup artist to be wearing it. Um, so I don't really like when people put makeup itself down, but I'm totally, you know, open to embracing people that want to wear a lot of makeup, that people that don't want to wear a lot, either or. It's, it's your face. It's whatever you want to do, but just don't, you know, don't diss makeup. <laughs> All right. I think that was a fantastic uh, answer, and congratulations on becoming a new a new mom, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I um I'll get you out of here with this this final question, um uh, and it's about men. Men, I mean, okay. I I would say about maybe ten or fifteen years ago, to the best of my knowledge, men didn't really do certain things that they're doing today. There are many men now that get pedicures, uh, manicures. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> some men even carry uh I guess you call them man bags, and some even get mm-hmm. uh get get waxed as far as their chest and and their and their back or whatever. What I'm getting to is right now makeup is pretty much a a female inner industry. Do you see it becoming Mm -hmm. the norm for men one day? Because men already wear any man that you see on TV is wearing makeup already. Right. But do you see where it become the norm where as as I said as I stated like men getting pedicures and stuff, do you see that becoming the norm where men will wear some type of makeup to cover up their blemishes on their faces uh, in the future. There are actually a couple lines that have already launched products that are targeted towards men, specifically Uh exactly what you said, kind of like concealer, powder for like oily skin. I don't necessarily see it being the norm, but I do see it becoming more popular. Absolutely. I can see that. And before we get you out of here, are you on uh, social media at all for anyone that wants to follow you, Twitter, Snapchat, any of that? Yes. I, I You know, I have not embraced Snapchat yet. I have to just say that. On <laughs> However, I am on Twitter and I am on Instagram. I feel like I'm old when I say that. Um, but on Twitter and Instagram, it's Angelique Makeup. Or breakups to makeup. So my makeup artist brand itself is Angelique Makeup, and then the accessory brand is Breakups to Makeup. And then on um, Twitter for breakups to makeup, it's Breakups Number Two Makeup. Gotcha. That's right. complicated. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, we have some pretty smart listeners, so they'll, they'll, okay. they'll figure I'm it sure. out. <laughs> uh, Angelique Velez, you can visit her website. Breakups to makeup. That's with uh, that's spelled out T O. Breakups to makeup shop dot com and visit her line. She has uh, clutch bags, different accessories, also apparel on there. And as she mentioned, she has a handbag that's getting ready to come out soon. So be checking for that. So visit that website, check her out, uh, see what you like on there, and order it. And Miss Velez, we want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you so much. Want to thank Miss Velez once again for coming on. Uh, like Ernest Biner on the one yard line, I fumbled her website. So I want to mention it again more clearly. It's breakups to make up shop dot com. Again, breakups to make up shop dot com. Check that out again. Accessories, uh, apparel, different makeup items that you can uh, check out on there. And I hope you listen to the interview very closely because uh, if you follow us on social media, uh, that's going to come in handy, as you will see in the days to come. Uh, Frank, what did you uh, get from the interview and what, what's your input on it? Well, you know, obviously, knowing Angelique personally, just going to school with her and seeing what she's become as, as you know, a businesswoman. I mean, that's very impressive. It's I'm very, like I said, even before we interviewed her, I was just telling her, hey, you know, I, I'm very proud of you. And so just just re- echoing that, you know, that, wow, she really has something, a, a great brand. And it came from it. What, what stuck, struck me is it came from a place of pain where she had been you know, yes. with somebody. And it was, you know, in that moment of pain where she was able to birth something great. So I just want to say that all listeners out there who have something, who have something going on, have a dream that it might you might have to get knocked down it might something really bad might have to happen to you not saying i want that to happen to you i'm saying pain might have to happen for your dream to really your vision to really come to fruition and like she said she's been doing makeup for quite some time but that moment that breakup just put it all together for her so you just don't know how you know things are going to work so if something if you're dealing with a setback right now i just want to encourage you and say hey this might be the beginning of your comeback that's one thing my pastor always says is you know your setback is just it's just, you know, a room for your comeback. So just, uh, you know, just a great interview, very inspirational, and hope to have her on again. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I certainly enjoyed her. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, about a couple of weeks ago, and I've mentioned this several times throughout the uh, the season and a half of our shows that I listened to Dan Levitard's uh, show. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he actually got himself in, I, I hate to say hot water because it wasn't really hot water, but he was getting heavily criticized as Magic Johnson. Uh, he is now, what is he like, the president and GM of the Lakers now? Well, anyway, Levitard said that Magic Johnson was not qualified for that job, that he only got that job because he's Magic Johnson. Now, to be fair to him, he also mentioned like Lottie Devon, uh, John Lynch, who used to play for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's now uh, like, I think, the GM of the 49ers. He also said that he wasn't qualified for the job. But Dan Levitar, who is Cuban, but I mean, he looks white. He looks like a white guy. And so people that don't know him that well, they saw those comments and yeah, like Keyshawn Johnson, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, who are also who also work for ESPN. So some ESPN, ESPN on ESPN crime. They were criticizing him and it looked like a white guy criticizing this black man, Magic Johnson, for being unqualified because he's black. And. I just wanted to, I, it made me think of this larger question, Frank. Um, because, you know, Dan Levitar, I don't think he's racist, but I'm not, a, I don't know the man personally, so I'm not a, about to go out here and say definitively that he's not, but I don't think he is. He was charged with being racist. And I also have a friend that I, I, I spoke to about President Obama, and he said 
And it brought up this larger question that I have that pretty much anybody who criticized Obama, any white person that criticized Obama were deemed racist. Forget the fact that he couldn't name me one example of that other than people on social media. I'm like people on social media don't count. That's just like the comment section on any website post. You're going to get a lot of crazy stuff in those areas. But any prominent person on TV that said that somebody was racist simply for calling Obama, uh, you know, disagreeing with Obama was not true. But my larger question is, Frank, can a white person criticize a black person and then not automatically go racial? And do you, it's a two-part question, do you automatically go there when you see a white person criticizing another black person, do you automatically go and say, man, he's probably doing that because he's black? Can a white person do that? Because we know white people can't say the N-word. They can say it, but there's usually repercussions for it. But are we also at a place where if they criticize a black person, they're going to undoubtedly get charged with some type of, of racism? Man, that, that, that's a I love it. That's a great question. That's one of the best questions we've had on the show. And, and really, and, and really, and really the heart of the, the discord in the country where, mm-hmm. you know, I will say this from a standpoint of President Obama, just answering that question. Can you be critical of him? Sure. Solyndra was to me uh, that that didn't work out too well. For those who know, I, was, I think that was a solar company that he was supposed to, that was supposed to work. And I think that kind of fell through. I don't necessarily agree with the TPP. There were some parts of Obamacare that I didn't agree with. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, well, I guess what a lot of people, is, if you if you ask them from a black person's perspective, overall, if you're going to criticize, the problem with, my, my wife taught me this. My wife taught me this. It's something called, um, I, I can't remember the exact term, but it's called a comment sandwich or a criticism sandwich or something like that. But basically, you, you say something nice, you say something critical, and you say something nice to end it. So you basically, you, you, you've made your critique, and you've kind of couched it with, hey, this is what is good, but here's what is bad. And I think a lot of times with you, the reason why people feel certain ways about certain things, certainly when it comes to race and people are the same thing is because, you know, the people that criticize Obama, did he do everything wrong? Was there anything positive that he did? And, and you can say the opposite of, you know, about George Bush, you know, maybe some people feel the same way. I know some people who were very conservative said that felt like George Bush, everything he did got criticized and he didn't, get, um, you know, competent for anything he did. I think that's just part of the problem with rhetoric that people have especially on social media they, they just say whatever they think is a negative and then it gets taken the wrong way i i do think it's possible to criticize somebody from of another race and it not be race racism i know that for a fact i work with a guy um i know he, he passed away last year and he was kind of like a mentor to me and he was a white guy and you know he was about 17 18 years old and he's going to be my dad so it's like he would get on to me and i could have said well you know i knew and i obviously knew him before that but I could have taken that as, well, this guy's getting on me and because I'm black. It's like, no, he's getting on me because I need to do better. And so it all depends on who the person is and what the relationship is. So I think on its face, yeah, anybody from another race should be able to criticize. But I think the public, it, the public uh, spect- spectacle of somebody criticizing somebody has to be couched very carefully because Levitard, like you said, he mentioned some other people, but people are going to say, hey, white looking guy criticizing Magic Johnson, you know, what's up with that? So I just think that 
people are always going to be sensitive to it. But I don't think that everybody who criticizes someone from another, another race is racist. I said friend at the top of that uh, statement, and I used that loosely. They're not friends, but these two gentlemen, what I told them was, it's not that when you criticize Obama, you were called a racist. But when you when you criticize him on things that you were completely okay with when white people proposed it. So when the American Heritage Foundation Heritage Foundation proposed uh, taxing of people paying a penalty that don't purchase health care, that was fine in the early 90s because that was a Republican idea. I keep reminding people that was a Republican idea. That was completely fine. But when you had those same people, the Newt Gingriches of the world, that once Obama proposes it, it's not okay. Or when you call him, um, he's not one of us. Or when you have posters of him being a, a, a African witch doctor. Or when you yell like you lie, which has never happened, as far as I know, in, in 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 the TV era to a president during a joint uh, session of Congress. Then you kind of get the well, hmm, maybe race has something to do with that. When you look at the fact at his historic win in 2008. When he when he beat John McCain, that he still didn't get the majority of the white vote, uh, nor did he get it in 2012. Then you can start. But just to criticize him, like you said, on TPP and on uh, Solyndra. No, nobody's calling you racist for that. But it's just, it is certain things that people said that they tried to hide behind honest critique when there was some racial undertone, if not racism to that. We're not falling for it, bro. We we see it, so we're not gonna let you get away with it. Um, I'm gonna let you wrap it up, Frank. Man, I just want to thank everybody as usual once again for checking out the show. We really, really appreciate your support. It means everything to us. It means everything. Thank you. Yeah, I want to thank everybody again. And uh, one thing I want to mention before we get out of here: make sure you visit BlackAwakenings.Shopify.MyShopify.Com and Definitely check out some of those shirts. There's also a section called Byron and Frank where we actually have some written articles. So we have some different perspectives on things we're not able to get to on this show because uh, we have a limited time. Where you can definitely check that out. So again, BlackAwakeningsMyShopify.com. Click on the store link. Use the promo code Byron and Frank. That's B-Y-R-O-N-A-N-D-F-R-A-N-K. Save 10% on your order and have a cool shirt. Uh, again, just want to thank all the listeners out there. Uh, I want to make a shout out to Montrez Slater, my cousin. You rep the show hard. You always post us. You always say we're we're, we're number one. I really, I really, I really appreciate that. Exactly. We have to get you on the show for sure. But I mean, I really appreciate that. A lot of people like your post, and that's cool. But you really represent us. So I wanted to personally thank you uh, for doing that. I do appreciate that. To all the other listeners, we definitely appreciate you. Uh, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play. We'll see you soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates. <laughs>